0: We're beginning our Christmas series today, it's called Restored, Recovering the Gifts of Christmas. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, I find this season to be exhausting. Um, I, it starts right around uh, Halloween, and then it just doesn't let up until the new year. And it's it's weird because um, I think that we're supposed to be enjoying and and just really like diving into the joy of a season of first Thanksgiving and then uh, the wonder and the the excitement of the coming of our Lord, Uh, and yet it seems it seems like every year uh, a lot of Jesus gets crowded out. Um, and this series, we're not going to let that happen this year. We're going we're to we're push back on this. This series is about recovering the things that, that this season's supposed to be about. Wonder, hope, joy, peace. And if we're honest, I think we know that there's not a whole lot of wonder, joy, hope, peace, etc. in the way that we do that. And, and honestly, I think that that's a work of the enemy. I really think that uh, the, the enemy wants to steal uh, that away. The enemy can't stop us from celebrating Christmas, but surely can suck the joy out of it suck the wonder out of it, suck the peace out of it, suck the hope out of it. Uh, So today we're going to start with wonder, and we're going to look at how Scripture um, thinks about wonder, and how that uh, plays into the advent and the coming of our Lord. And so uh, I'd like you to join me in in one of the most uh, exuberant praise psalms of the Bible. This is Psalm 65, Um, and we're starting about the, the middle of the psalm to the end, but but. But pay attention to this. This is all about wonder. It's all about awe and where it's found and what causes it. Those who live at the ends of the earth are awed by your signs. Um, awe in, in Hebrew is somewhere between fear and like blown away. In fact, it's kind of like blown away so much that you get a little scared, right? It's, it's as if, uh, you know, you're, you're confronted with the majesty of something that you know is more powerful than you, and you're a little bit... Uh, those who live at the ends of the earth are awed by your signs. You make the gateways of the morning and the evening shout for joy. Uh, this is the sun and the moon. The psalmist is imagining um, those at the ends of the earth uh, seeing the sun rise and the moon rise and, and imagining them just crying out with, with joy to, to God because they're so good in the way that they've been made. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide people with grain for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with richness. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. This is an expression of what it's like to just be before God and be awestruck. Wonder. Let's take a look. This is interesting. It's interesting how the psalmist gets us to bring this about. Those who live at the ends of the earth are awed by your signs. This is very interesting, right? This is odd. It's the people that are far, far away. The way that uh, Hebrew people think about um, the universe at is, is this time is Jerusalem's kind of the center of the universe, right? And everything that, that, that is, is, all, uh, is other is spread out from there. So the, Jerusalem's the center, and then the farther you go from Jerusalem, the closer you are to the end of the world, okay? And what that means then is that the people who are not in Jerusalem's a city, right? And the people who are not in Jerusalem are farther and farther and farther from a city. They're rural folk, This is important Because the Bible is very, very suspicious of city life Uh, You may remember the the Tower of Babel, right? And when human beings get together and they create great cities They also tend to get real naughty They do bad things Notice, interestingly, where does Jesus come from? Is he born in Jerusalem, hailed as king of the Jews? No, he's he's born born in in Bethlehem, tiny town south of Jerusalem Raised in Nazareth He's a hick like, uh, the, really, the, the interesting thing about Jesus is that he, the way that they look at him is he's like he's an uneducated lout from far, far away. I don't know if you've uh, seen it yet this Christmas, but um, brand new from the Hallmark Channel is uh, My Family's Southern Christmas. You seen the, Anyone seen this one yet? Nobody? My Southern Family Christmas? Uh, guys, if you have to watch... One, if your wife is going to make you sit down and watch a Hallmark movie, watch this one because it co-stars Bruce Campbell, uh, the star of Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, and frequent co-collaborator with Sam Raimi. Nobody? (laughs) I I had to sit through, I would watch this whole thing, it was horrible. Uh, But at least I saw Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell, whose career has come to this, where he's now on a Hallmark movie channel. Interesting thing about the Hallmark Movie Channel movies, they all follow the same plot. Uh, she's, you know, kind of attractive. She's in her 30s. She's successful. She's working in New York City. She's uh, at the, usually in marketing or advertising, design, fashion, something like that. And she's stressed out. She's distracted. Her life is... A mess, even though she has it all. She's got the, the apartment, wherever it is, and the loft thing in the New York City. She's, she's got all the people. She's, she's at the top. They're all answering to her, and yet the phone never keeps coming off the hook. And she's, she's just, there's something wrong. What does she have to do? She has to go to a small town in Vermont. With you know good skiing. In this case, she goes down to Louisiana, uh, and and there, there they have a, a, a different kind of Christmas thing, Père noel. She goes to a small town in, in Louisiana where it turns out uh, her biological father, Bruce Campbell, is a uh, he's like some kind of businessman, and but he's also like the nicest guy in the universe. Like, just wonderful. So full of joy and love and and passion. And she's like, how could you leave? It's a a great movie. you got to check it out. Really, really good. You'll be surprised to find out that at the end, she falls in love with the person of her dreams, and her father is amazing, and her family is restored. I ruined it for you. (laughs) But it's all about the journey, because we all know how these things end. However... One of the interesting things about these movies is that literally every single one of them has the same story, and it's, it's all about people who are stuck in the bustle and hustle and bustle of modern life in the city, usually in New York, not always, and they have to get out to find wonder, to find the magic of Christmas again. Christmas is just a day for New Yorkers. But but when you when you get out to Vermont, when you get out to Louisiana, when you get away from the trappings of the city and the buildings and the distractions and the cell phones, when you get away from that, the wonder of Christmas is restored. I'm just going to say it, you can get mad at me. That's actually kind of a very biblical way of looking at wonder. The Bible is very clear that wonder, it happens outside of the city. And it's not that the city itself is bad. It's that the city, what the city represents. City represents distraction. It represents uh, being moving all the time. It represents busyness. It represents darkness, ugliness. it, It just is. And if you've ever been to a city, we're blessed to be in South Orange County, but if you've ever been to like a real city like Los Angeles, it's an ugly place. And it seems to be creeping down. First thing here, note sheets. Wonder happens when you get out of the city or find a cityless place within it. Um I I, I think when I when I when I talk about this, I remember being in, in Tokyo. And Tokyo is an, a fascinating place. Uh, I've told you before, it's a massive city. You can't see the end of it. What's interesting about Tokyo is they're aware of the fact that city is not great and they need to fix it somehow. And so what they've done is you, you'll be walking down the street in Tokyo and you'll hang a left. And there's a 7-Eleven uh, conveni, that's what they call uh, convenience stores. And you take a left and suddenly the city disappears and you're confronted with like this this the Shinto shrine place. It's walled up, and when you walk in, it's open to all its public, you know, you can walk in, and, and suddenly everything in the city disappears. You're surrounded again by nature. It's silent, it's quiet. There's beautiful little uh, rivers, and there's, there's rocks and sand and vegetation, and it's this, it's this quiet kind of kind of island in the middle of a metropolis. I think for us, we kind of have to be looking for something like that if we want to... To, to recover wonder We have to be able to get away from The It doesn't mean we have to leave and go all the way To Idaho or whatever, although we can But it does mean we've got to find a spot here That brings up a couple of questions The first is, when was the last time You were truly in awe I ask this because it, it, Really, this sermon is more preaching To me than to you, I think you are much better At wonder and awe than I am and part of that is uh, my meds. They, uh, they kind of tone down that part of my, my mind. But I tend to be the person who's like skeptical, cynical, sarcastic. I tend to be the kind of person that um, doesn't want to let beauty in. I wanna, I'm, a, I'm, I'm suspicious of it. I, I don't trust it. And so I'm very, very comfortable here in the suburbs. Because I don't want to be... Surprised, in awe. For the most part, I just want to be safe. But I believe that we're called to be re enchanted. We're called to be in wonder again. And so that, the second question is where's the spot? Do you have one? I haven't been uh, surfing in about three years and four years now, but I do remember sometimes just sitting out there on the board um, not trying to catch a wave just catching my breath or whatever and just looking out and seeing the way that the sun uh, plays over the water it was like whoa do you have one or are you like me And this is probably the most important uh, thing. Do you have any disciplines of disconnection? Because you're not going to, even if you, if you go to your wonder spot, right, and you bring your cell phone with you, it's not going to be wonderful. You're just going to go right back to the same scrolling you always do, the same little dopamine hits that keep you going through the day. Just know that this person liked that, and, and this is the new thing that's happening in the news, and it's, it will follow you, it will take over. And I especially, and this is especially important for you youngsters, those of you under the age of 21, because you have grown up, and you are the very first generation in the history of the world to grow up completely connected, jacked in all the time. You don't know what it was like to wait for America online to connect. You never experienced that. And as a result, you've been robbed of wonder. Youngsters, you need a place where you can break out and be freed from these, these digital leashes so that you can be surprised again. let's go back to the text. So first thing, get out of the city, and by that we don't necessarily mean actually exiting the city, although the Psalms do recommend that, so if you can get out of the city, do it. But check this out. This is, uh, the psalmist look, uh, is talking about what God does. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide people with grain. You have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly. Furrows here at the, uh, apparently when you're doing agriculture. Uh, you make these little grooves in the grounds where you put your seeds, right? And then God sends rain, and the rain settles down on, on these these furrows, makes the ridges go down, softens it with showers, blesses its growth. You crown the year, God, with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with richness. This is referring to uh, the autumn festival when uh, the, the, the grain and all the wheat has been brought in. There's a huge bounty. The wagon tracks, the psalmist is imagining God pulling a wagon, and the, the wheels of the wagon are creating the furrows in the ground, the ruts where, uh, where the, the seeds go. And as the wagon passes by, the, 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 the furrows explode with growth. They explode with richness. Most of you have a, uh, a shower knob that looks like this. Everyone, this is kind of what your shower knob looks like? Something similar? Okay, well, I, mine doesn't. Mine, mine is two knobs. It looks like this. It's a horror show. Every day, I fear getting into the shower. Because I, my, my wife, she has no problem with it. She, she ignores the blue one, goes straight to the red, turns all the way up, gets like a second-degree burn every morning. I'm not that way. I, I like... You know, just above lukewarm <laughs> Like, I want to warm up a little bit But not too much And so it's always a, it's a battle You know, like, how much red and how much blue to mix And after, you know, five, six years I still don't know I still haven't figured out the, the solution to this So I've got some real, real big problems, you can tell Interesting, you don't have that issue Because you've got the one you just aim at the, the And it's done not only that, I've got, you know, pretty bad water pressure. So it's like you have to wait. Like, is it going to heat up? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a mystery. Interesting thing, though, is that you and I, while your shower is better than mine, you, we, have, we, we, we share one thing, and that is we never worry about whether or not water will come out. Right? I mean, when was the last time you worried that if I turn the handle, there will be no water? Never. the, The worst case scenario is that the hot water heater dies and we've got a cold one. That's it. That's the only thing we worry about. Well, what the psalmist is pointing out is that that's not the case for farmers. right? Well, at least in the ancient world. Farmers, and it is the point of cities, right? The whole point of cities, back to the ancient world, Rome was famous for its aqueducts and having a plumbing system, right? So that water was reliable and you could get it wherever you want. So that was the whole point of going to a city. You were something that was scarce and hard to find. Human beings get together and make it an easy-to-access commodity, now we've taken that and gone to the next level. Not only do we have regular running water, we can make it hot, we can make it cold, uh, we can, we, it's purified so you can drink shower water. Don't go to Haiti and do that, you'll vomit for days. And so when a farmer is sitting there, <laughs> a farmer is like, the farmer never stops thinking about whether water's gonna come. The farmer is like, if there's no water, we're done. And so when the heavens open up and God showers rain on the fields, the farmer, remember the hicks, the uneducated folks, the the, the silly silly people on the outside, uneducated, you know, they they look up and they're like, wow. And they see the water come down in these torrents, and then they wait and they see the, the buds come up. And they see the wheat and the grain and the vegetables and all the different things that they're growing. They see the the, the trees produce fruit. And they're like, wow. Why? What's the next thing in your note sheets? Wonder happens when God does the providing. The farmer in the ancient world, his hands are tied. He can do so much, but what he can't do is make water. You can see the problem for us. We make everything. Seriously, when, when, Okay, when, is there anything? This is a question. Is there anything you really need that right now you can't get on your own? What'd you say? Time. What? Time. Time. Yeah. Yeah. That's. It's interesting. Uh, for, for again, for the under twenty ones, right? You. You. This is. You can easily answer this question, right? You're like, well, I. If parents don't give me a car, I can't afford one, right? There's lots of things that under 21s, and if you remember, those of you who are not under 21, you're like me, there was a time when this was true. There was a time when there were a lot of things you couldn't get on your own. It was a long time ago, but the way the arc of life, generally speaking, is you start out super dependent right? You depend on your parents for everything, God for everything, and then you start to make your way, and you're not sure if you're gonna do it. It's a really tough trick, but you you make the curve, and you get to a point, usually around your mid to late thirties, where you're like, hey. And then this lasts for a really long time, until it doesn't. And for those of you who are coasters, you're starting to feel this, where there are things that you can no longer... (laughs) Gladys is super self-sufficient. She she needs nothing. But for the rest of us, we're going to get to a point where you need help walking. You need help eating. But for those of us who are still in that zone, where where are oh, you know, I got a I got a salary, I got this, I got that, you know, p- people are dependent on me now. I have children that require my, you know, supervision, attention. What would it look like to start being dependent again? That's a, the next question. Do you have any disciplines of dependence? So this is the thing We city dwellers We are self-sufficient But wonder comes from when we're not And so what would it look like To have a discipline of dependence? I'm going to talk I don't like doing this And I do it very rarely But I'm going to talk money for a second Because money is what makes us independent Right? Money is the thing that solves the problem uh, if you look, well, just so you know, so the, the elders and the finance committee have uh, been plotting together uh, about the future of the church. And as you've been hearing from me, we're really passionate right now and really always should have been about bringing people to Jesus, taking people who've been out of church and bringing them back, going out there, making disciples. In fact, uh, today, right after the service, um, we, we, are, we have a, a mission down to uh, the village, Uh, I think you're going to hear a little bit more about that later. But we're looking for folks We want to see transformation. And as a result, the elders and the finance committee have decided to invest in personnel, invest in the future. We're looking uh, to hire a full-time high school uh, youth pastor. We're looking to invest in people like Lindsay Ballinger and Doug Harrison and Caden Jaramillo. We're looking to invest in these people. And with, with good reason, because they're outstanding to help com, uh, accomplish this mission. However, what that means, what that investment means, is that we're going out beyond what we can actually afford. So if all things stay the same, equal, this, ne- this next year, we're going we're gonna to dip into savings to the tune of tens uh, of thousands of dollars, maybe even more. We think, uh, we think that we can, if, if giving doesn't change, we think that we can support what we're about to do for about three years and then we're done. We'll have milked a lot of our savings. So what we're doing as a church is we're going to go out and we're going to be dependent on God. We're going to say, God, you've been very comfortable for a very long time. And that is due to some incredible generosity, some, some wonderful uh, people, saints. But we're, we're going to step out beyond. And I'm wondering if maybe there's some people here who need to do the same thing. It might be time to say, ah, let's get beyond the comfort level of charity. I know this guy, Jeff. His uh, kids go to Stony Brook. I met him before they did. This, I met him uh, back, gosh, maybe almost 10 years ago. And at the time, he was, he was, he was hustling. He was a hustler. He, he, was, a, he was a sales rep for a, uh, an air freshener. And when I say hustle, I mean hustle, hustle. Like every day in the summer, he would go to the OC Fair and sling this air freshener. And if you've been to the O.C. Fair, you know that that's not like the, the coolest, greatest gig in the world, right? He was barely making ends, and as a result, filled the anxiety, concern, but man, did it increase his prayer life. He suddenly, he was like, he was like, God, if this doesn't work, I don't know what is going to happen to me. And the story is, it's a great story. So he's praying, he's depending, he's like, God, please, please, please. And uh, he's, <laughs> he's on an airplane, um, and, and he's sitting next to this guy, and, and this guy strikes up a conversation. You know, what do you do? What do you do? And so he's telling him, Well, yeah, I got this air freshener that it's called Scent Bomb. You can go to scentbomb.com, check it out. And, uh, and the, the guy's listening, Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, do you have an example? He's like, Oh, yeah, he pulls out his scent bomb thing and kind of wafts it in the air. And the guy's like, Oh, man, that's cool. Hey, it just so happens that I'm in charge of, uh, of all the, the products that we place in the auto departments at Walmart. And uh, we just we just uh, we just cut ties with our, our frequent our, our past air freshener. Do you think you'd be interested in supplying all the wa- all the WalMarts in the world? Yes, yes, I would. Literally, like like in the period of like two weeks, this guy goes from slinging hustling to being a multi multi millionaire. And he was telling me this story, you know, just like to kind of encourage my faith and and stuff. It was really, we were talking more about anxiety and and how that's debilitating and stuff. Um, But I I looked at him and I was like, you know, man, here's the danger. The danger is now you've got it. Is that going to damage your dependence on God? Because you you just told me a story of like absolute fear of going out. And let me tell you something. When he was on that plane and when that happened, I guarantee you he experienced some incredible wonder. I guarantee you he was awestruck. In case you're wondering uh, how to give, we have a QR code now. It's on your bulletin. It's on the back of your bulletin. You can point your phone at it, and you can uh, get dependent. Let's go back to the text, the last bit here. I love this. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. The key here is it's the wilderness do you notice what you start in Jerusalem, right? And we get out of the city, we go to the rural folks, the folks who are in little villages and farms and whatnot. whatnot. Now we're going beyond them. We're going out to the place where no human being has tamed anything. And that's where you see the, the glory of God at its greatest, right? That's, that's the place. You, when, once you get past where humans are doing stuff, that's when you see God really doing what God does. My son, he's he's four, and he—if you ask him what's the most beautiful place in the world—he knows. And I got a picture of it. If you're not familiar with this, uh, this is a beautiful waterfall. Um, it's the Grizzly Peak Waterfall at California Adventure, Disneyland. Yeah, you can see on the uh, top left of the picture there. There's like a—it looks like a bear, a grizzly bear. And, and Soren, he, he, he looks at it and he's like, Dad, it's so beautiful. It's more beautiful than anything else at Disneyland. But more beautiful than the main street heading up to the castle. More beautiful than... What else? Is there anything beautiful? I guess it all smells really nice. The parades, whatever. He's like, this is amazing. There's water. It's literally coming down out of the rocks into... Could you imagine that? How does that even happen? Soren is completely unaware of the fact that the most beautiful thing that human beings have ever created is an imitation of what's actually out there that God made. Isn't that crazy? The Imagineers are getting like, how are we going to blow people's minds? I know. (laughs) Let's make a waterfall. We know, of course, that uh, really the most beautiful uh, place here in Orange County is actually the beaches. It's been a long time since I've been to the beach, which is a shame. Um, I remember being able to just sit there on a rock for hours, just looking at the water. and, And the reason that people spend so much money to come and live here is to be close to this, close to that. The psalmist knows that no matter how beautiful you make your city, no matter how, no matter how tall your skyscrapers, uh, no matter—even if you create the Irvine spectrum, even that will never, ever, ever match the glory of what God does when humans have no input at all. I mean, if you're the psalmist and you were looking at this picture, right— What are you thinking? Well, what you're thinking—go back to the text. Let's go back to the text. What is is he thinking? The the hills gird themselves with joy. Humans didn't do it. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. No human interaction there. Humans had nothing to do with it. Valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. What the psalmist is looking at when he sees the beach, the beach of Southern California, of Orange County, the psalmist says the, the waves are crashing in shouts of praise to God. And the only thing that humans could possibly do would be to ruin it. Wonder happens when God, not us, is in control. That's when wonder happens. It's when God, not this next thing in your note sheets, when God, not us, is in control. When human beings do, we can do amazing things. And I'm not saying that that human beings don't create awe inspiring, wonderful things. I mean, the first time I saw, you know, a a cell phone or the, the, the iPod, you know, I could carry like hundreds of thousands of songs and I think, that was amazing. I was blown away. But what wonder really happens in general is when it's God, not us, doing the doing. And that brings up a question do you have a discipline? of daring. Foraging out, going out beyond the places where humans have, have done their, their stuff, going out beyond that into a place where you're not in control. And this doesn't necessarily literally mean the wilderness, although it can. For some of you, I know that going camping and being out in the wilderness, that, that can do that. But it, beyond that, things like uh, relationships— how, do you, are you comfortable and satisfied with relationships? Or do you want to go to the next level, go, be daring, open yourself up, possibly to rejection, and, and see what God has? Like we talked about, it could be money. It's anything in our life where we're complacent, where we're comfortable. Where wonder happens is when you go beyond those things, out where you're not in control and God's the one who's in control, and then you're like, okay, let's see what happens. I'm trusting you. And that's when the relationship that changes your life comes in. That's when the deal that changes your life comes in. That's when wonder happens. What does this have to do with Christmas? Let's read. Now, in that same region, there were shepherds living in the fields. Literally, it's gruo, the, the, the Greek word there literally means living in wilderness. Living in the wilderness, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. This is uh, the Greek way of describing the Hebrew word for awe. They were blown away to the point that they were almost scared. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy to all the people. you ever wonder why it was that the shepherds were the ones who saw the announcement? Why it was the shepherds of all people who were given the glory of God, the angels and the heavenly host. They were living in the fields. They were out beyond. They were out beyond where humans control, where we have power. They were out where only God is in control. If you want to recover wonder this season, live in the fields. Live in the fields. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we confess that you are the author of wonder. That your works and your power can stricken us to our knees. And God, may we seek to recover that. Restore to us our sense of wonder, our sense of awe. Get us out of the city. Help us disconnect. Put us in places where you're in control, where we're not. Provide for us. Show us that we can be dependent on you again. Encourage us to make radical moves so that we can see you work in wondrous and awe-inspiring ways. That we can remember that you're the ultimate glory. You are the highest and worthiest. And we are just the sheep of your pasture, the work of your hands. Let us live again in the fields. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.